tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 27. I'm so honored to have my very best friend with me on the podcast today. You know, I was impressed with John Weaver when I met him at family camp at just 13 years of age. But now, so many years later, I'm even more impressed by this man. My husband, John Weaver, has shown me the shape of godliness, and he's influenced my walk with God like no one else. As part of our special February series on relationships, I'm honored to share him with you today. Let's get started. Well, you guys, I'm super excited to have with me today my wonderful husband, John Weaver, the best man in the universe. The only one you got. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And hey, baby, we're recording this on Valentine's Day. Whoa, wait. Today? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. And you guys, you may not know it, but John is widely known as Pastor Romance. No, they don't know that. No, you are because this guy... This guy goes out of his way to love me. And so this morning, I got up and went out to the kitchen and found a beautiful, massive bouquet of roses and a card and a gift, which I might mention was not supposed to happen. None of that. No, I said, don't buy me a gift. No, you said no gifts. I can show you the text. For me. (laughs) You are a stinker. Uh, I'll tell you what, I've been blessed to be loved very, very well for now 38 years. Does that just seem as amazing to you as it does to me? Way too fast. Yeah, yeah. I think I thought Jesus was coming back by now. <laughs> we Sometimes we probably hoped he would. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's been a wonderful time. I have to confess, though, those first eight years for me were difficult because I I think that I went into marriage um, thinking that you were one person. And then when we started having, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 30, 31 days a month together, I realized, wait a minute, he's not what I thought. But I bet there was a little bit of a shock on your end as well. Yeah, yeah there was. <laughs> I remember when we were teaching Young Mary's class uh, in Grants Pass, Oregon, we we did this one teaching on kind of embracing our differences. And so we had this suitcase and we talked about how we all come into marriage with baggage. Uh, and do you remember some of the things we talked about? Yeah, I do. Still remember when we, uh, I think we've ironed out most of those. I think so. I think so. One of the things we did was just talk about how we come into marriage with different set of expectations. You know, maybe maybe a wife's role in one marriage or one growing up situation was different than the wife's role in another and, and vice versa with husband roles. And so one of the things we talked about is how those differences can really kind of set us off. So we talked about folding towels because my family did it in quarters. And your family did it in thirds. In thirds. Yes. Yes. And so that was something new. Talked about how how we put the toilet paper on, you know, really life-changing, marriage-altering. It almost broke us up. (laughs) The greatest one, I think, was probably the toothpaste. (laughs) Now, some of you people out there are going to connect with me, and some of you are going to think I'm really weird, like monkish. But uh, when when I get up in the morning and 
go to brush my teeth and the toothpaste lid is gone. That means the what's on the uh, very edge is crusty. So crest becomes crust. <laughs> And usually find the lid on the floor, which means there's some hair and other particles on the <laughs> lid. So it became a process of washing the lid every morning and uh, yes, and so you opening. guys. So I, I got uh, that wait, fixed. Yes, I know. And I'm going to tell it because it was okay. hilarious. So <laughs> it's funnier when I do it. <laughs> so here's the thing, you guys. I, I The other thing was is that you squeezed from the bottom. And I just squeezed from the middle. So, of course, like early marriage, we realized this was going to be an issue. But you always, like, you're kind of not only like monkish, like he's talking about the old TV show Monk, you know, OCD. Um, he, he's also MacGyverish, you guys. This man is super creative. And so one morning, probably, what do you think? Was it three, four years into marriage before you did this? Or was it right away? I can't remember. Six months. <laughs> so six months into marriage. You have to know this about my husband. He won't come right out. Now, he'll he'll drop gentle hints like, honey, um, if you wouldn't mind putting the lid on. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. And then I wouldn't change, unfortunately. So one morning I went in. I was really kind of tired. And so I unscrew the toothpaste lid. And, and I, you went to drop it on the floor. No, I meant to put it on the counter. Uh -huh. And rather than landing on the counter, it swung in space because my Ma Pastor MacGyver husband had sewed the lid with a piece of needle and thread, sewed the lid so it, it hooked onto the bottom. I bet you can tell it better than me. Go ahead and try it. Too late. <laughs> But we did, we did come to a wonderful compromise. We did. You have yours and I have mine. Who knew? Who knew? I mean, eventually you're going to need two tubes, you know, right? that $2 saved our lives. Saved our marriage. That's right. We embraced our differences. And we're going to be talking about that today. How do we navigate those places where the other person is different than us? And rather than seeing it as an issue to see it sometimes even as a gift, because I can say that as much as I allowed our differences to really irritate me early in marriage, I've come to realize that they are such a gift. I am so glad that I didn't marry myself or a person like myself. That would have been horrible, even though I really wanted you to be me. How, how has it been for you in understanding that those differences aren't a curse, but they're a gift? Well, I think most couples go into a marriage, especially first time, thinking that their spouse is going to be like their parents. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, I thought you'd be like my mom, mm -hmm. uh, do the things that my mom did in, in serving my dad. And that's just what I learned. Like that's, a, that's all I knew. Yeah, like iron your underwear. I Well, I didn't know about that till later. But <laughs> mom was a good cook and uh, kept house. But uh, it was hard for me to learn that not everybody's like my mom. Yeah. And come to realize not very many people are like my mom. Yeah. And I had to learn that you're not my dad. You know, my dad's a very strong personality. Uh, he's a get things done, kind of uh, loves people, um, always like talking to people and realizing that 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 wasn't necessarily your gift, you, but you had all these other gifts. 
I think one of the things that I had to come to realize was, number one, you were not my dad. Number two, you did not see life the way I did. And But number three, I also had to realize that the ways that I wanted to be loved was not necessarily the ways that you needed to be loved. And so that whole thing of like, of making sure that there's dinner on the table, making sure that the house was picked up. That was always my struggle. It was like a battle. I'm so grateful the Lord's helped me. And I'm so grateful that rather than you letting that become a wedge in our relationship, that you gave me room to grow. But not only that, but you actually came beside me. Uh, I write about this in one of my books that I would just get so paralyzed by the house that I didn't even know what to do. I just, I just felt paralyzed and how sometimes without any word of condemnation or what a mess or passive aggressive, you would just start helping and, and helping, helping me pick up. And all of a sudden it would be like, it would unlock something in me. What would you say to those husbands out there that, that are struggling because their wives maybe aren't what they thought I think one of the very first things is to not address those issues with a with a frustrating voice of where's dinner and how come the house isn't clean and what do you do all day? Those are questions that I think are very dangerous questions mm-hmm. to ask, very uh, dangerous suggestions and thoughts. It, to me, it's a whole lot better just to start the process and do it together rather than to expect you know, I, I tell quite often in my office, couples, you know, where in your vows does it say, you know, that your wife will clean and cook and do this and do that? She didn't agree to that. Those are expectations that come. And uh, most of the time, the guys look at me like a deer in the headlights, you know, like, well, it's supposed to be that way, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I think we just come in with those expectations that it's just so much better for us to work through those and talk through those and gain understanding of is is that a a decent expectation for me to have or am I off on that and what do you expect in me that maybe I'm not fulfilling yeah well i know god really dealt with me because i had so many expectations of you and what I thought you should be. And most of them had to do with ministry or leadership. I wanted a strong leader and I wanted someone who get things done. And in my mind, that looked a certain way. And yet God, oh my goodness, I'll never forget when he said, Joanna, get your hands off my man. The very things that you're trying to change about your husband are the things I love most about your husband. And that's your shepherd's heart. You have got such a servant's heart. You're not going to be bowling people over. You're not going to be demanding that they do things your own way. You're a servant. And you've taught me so much about being a servant in that way. And I think for me, realizing that when I begin to accept you as you are, rather than expect things beyond what you are, God began to heal my heart and I believe in turn began to heal our marriage. And I just want to thank you for loving me during those times where even though I know you were disappointed with me, I never felt it diminished your love. But I can honestly say I allowed that seed of discontent and disillusionment to just get in there and begin to destroy my love. And it's interesting. And I'd love to have your opinion on this. I've had several women 
over the last couple of months say these words, he's not the man I married. And they feel like they got a bait and switch, that they were promised one thing and they got another. And I can see how that disillusionment, disappointment is eating away at their love. What would you say to those couples? I think it's a two-way street. I think the guy probably feels the same way in a lot of ways. Well, I would agree. I do think that it's a two-way street. I know for me, I had to just be able to say, you know what? I have one of two choices. I can accept John as he is and love him there, or I can remain discontent and disillusioned. And for a while, I kind of chose that second thing. And I, I sort of thought, well, we'll just be married singles and he'll do his thing and I'll do mine. Divorce wasn't an option, but I really felt so, so helpless and hopeless that And I don't think you even knew during that time that I was at the point of almost wanting to give up. And yet God in his mercy, he dealt with my heart. And he said, Joanna, I want you to stop saying, Lord, change him. And I want you to start praying, Lord, change me. And um, I'm so grateful because now on this side of those first eight years where I was so unhappy, I I can honestly say, I am so blessed to be your wife and I am so grateful that you're not me. Can I just say that? Thank God. And he's smiling because he he wants to say amen. I'm glad you're not me. (laughs) One of the things that we've talked often about that is if we could embrace the differences, God made us in his image, both of us. And that means accepting those differences. And I think when we do, it's like two hands coming to join together and the, and the fingers interlocking and becoming a better picture of who God really is to the world. Why do you think we get so stuck in thinking that our way is the only way? Because we think our way is the only way. <laughs> it's the right way. It's, that's all we know. Yeah. And it's really hard to understand other people's perceptions and their understanding is not the same as our understanding. And, you know, it's just like, it's like the, the, the father that's teaching his son to do something and the son does it one way. Most fathers would say, well, that's a waste of your time or you should do it this way. But I think a wise father is one that sits back and says, you know, that's a great way to do it. Here's another option. Yeah. And, and I think couples probably should do the same thing in that to accept what your spouse does and the way they do it without saying your way is wrong or my way is better, Mm -hmm. I think it's better to uh, offer options or to gain understanding. Even the question of why do you do it that way? You know, we have some friends that uh, cooking a ham one time and she was getting ready to put the ham in the oven and she could cut both ends off the ham and put it in the oven. And and Ted said, well, why do you do that? She said, well, I don't know. My mom did that. So they called mom. Why did you cut the ends of the ham off? Well, I don't know. That's what that's what my mom did. So they called grandma in the rest home. And why did you cut the ends of the hams off? Well, that's because I didn't have a big enough oven. <laughs> so I think a lot of times we just do stuff because that's all we know. Yeah. And sometimes we don't know why we do it. That's just all we know. Yeah. That, I think that that's so important. I know one of the real turning points, I mean, there was a whole series of things that, at least from my point of view, a three-year period where God just was doing a deep work in my heart, um, coming to understand grace, 
coming to understand his love for me. But one of the things we did is we went to um, a personality assessment workshop that was put on by our church for the staff. And it was all about cognitive thoughts, cognitive thought process. And it reminds me because we've been doing this Enneagram thing and just looking at how we process life. And uh, there were three ways that they said we, we walk through the cognitive process. There's feeling, deciding, thinking, and those can be in any different um, combination. Uh, usually your first letter is the strongest letter. And so we did this test. Do you remember what your results were? I do. I am a number one thinker. So I have to have lots of details. The more information I have will help me make my decision. So I'm a capital T uh, followed by an F, a feeler, because that's part of the cognitive process of how will that affect people. How are they going to feel about it? How am I going to feel about it? And then I would get to my decision, which was a very small D because it would take me forever to get there. At the time. At, at the time. At the time. And that was a very frustrating thing for you because you didn't realize that my cognitive process was different than yours and yours different than mine. Exactly. And so a lot of people, it was interesting because when I got my results back, they were different, but, but people thought I was the big D. They thought I was a big decider because that's what it looks like. But turns out I'm a feeler. I'm a big feeler. Then I'm a decider. And then I'm a thinker, which doesn't surprise you. It didn't surprise you at all, did it? No, but it, you have to understand that it's not wrong. Yeah. You know, our uh, one of the guys on staff was a very strong decider. Yeah. And so at times I would come to him and I'd say, well, what do you think about this? And he'd, he'd say, well, you need to do that. And I said, well, how can you come to that conclusion? You don't even know the facts and you don't know how that's going to you know, affect people. And it doesn't matter how it affects people. That's what we need to do. And he was a very strong T. D, yeah. D, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And so I think that really opened up a, a, almost a way to yes. talk to each other. And I know for me, it really helped to realize, okay, because I kept wanting you to make a big D. I wanted you to make a decision. And so to realize that, I needed to present the facts to you and then give you room to think it through. I think it was it was very helpful to me when you would ask the question, what can I do to help you come to this decision? Uh, what facts can I get you? What research can I do to help you get to that decision? That was that was a great yeah. art. And it's been wonderful to watch, I think, both of us grow because what they said was your order won't won't change. But the the height of your letters, you know, big D, big F, big T, they're going to become more uh, even across the board. And it's been so fun to watch that in your life as as you've grown in your leadership abilities and an ability to make decisions that are sometimes really hard. And yet and yet always you're always thinking of, about people and how it affects people. And I so appreciate that. It's scary when I don't. There yeah. are times I have to jump to the decision really fast and then I'll make the decision. Then I'll sit back and go, Oh, what's that going to do? Yeah. 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 So trust, even trusting the Lord in that, Yes, that, and I think that's probably the big discussion too, when it comes to marriage is, is let's not just say, this is the way I am deal with it, right? but let's grow and mature. And I look at our, our life together and I can see how God has used you and even the way you process life to shape me 
and I know you've said that there's yep. that God's the other way too. Yeah, that we can literally spur one another onto love and good deeds. I think the thing that I appreciate so much about you, John, is that steadiness and that faithfulness. And, you know, again, that was the thing that I kind of irritated me because I, I wanted to conquer and I wanted to succeed. And you would always say Mother Teresa's words, God hasn't called us to be successful, Joanna. He's called us to be faithful. And I can look back and see how God has used you in so many ways to shape my life. And yet at the same way, same time, you have set me free to be the person I am. I'm sure that hasn't always been easy, having a strong woman in your life. Well, that's probably one of the greater differences that we, you know, uh, struggled with early in our marriage is in my, in my house growing up, people didn't share their opinions. We didn't talk politics. We didn't talk issues in the church. We, we didn't talk about a lot of things. And so we just didn't share a lot of opinions. And uh, when I connected with your family, uh, your family had much stronger opinions and not afraid to share those opinions. And so uh, I remember our first Christmas, we were living in Libby and we came down to Missoula for Christmas and I listened to your family. And if I remember right, almost everybody was there. It was a, you know, hubbub of, of hum humanity. But uh, they were talking politics and, and church things and people and opinions. And to me, it sounded like an argument mm. because I wasn't used to that. And I remember driving home from, uh, from Missoula to Libby and I was very quiet. And you said, what are you thinking? And so I mentioned I haven't heard people argue like that before. And you said, what do you mean argue? And I said, that's all your family did. You said, no, they weren't arguing. That seemed like an argument to me. <laughs> uh, but you said something very, very important that I think was, it took a while for me to grasp it. We're not arguing, we're just sharing our opinions. And that was a hard thing for me because sometimes people with strong opinions would back me into a corner. And I, I've, I've become very defensive and even offended by their opinions. And I think uh, one of the things that's been very helpful to me in realizing that that's part of how you're wired, that's part of who you are, to share your thoughts, to share your ideas and suggestions. And that's part of how God created us. But that has helped balance me a lot more, realizing that it's, it's okay to share your thoughts. It's okay to share your opinion without uh, confrontation, without backing somebody into a corner, that it can be said in a way that's not hurtful to someone. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is so true to make room for each other's opinions. It kind of goes back to some teaching that you and I received in, in that grow, growing time in our marriage about how that when scripture talks about the Eve being a helpmate, that it can actually be translated one who gives an answer. And so realizing that as your wife, to be a true helpmate doesn't mean that I don't ever share my opinion. It does matter how I do it. And so one of the things I've kind of come down to, especially when it comes to the authority that God set up in marriage, whether we like it or not, the Bible says that the husband is the head of the wife. And, and 
And yet, how do I serve you in that role? And so I've kind of come to this idea that you're the president and I'm the vice president. And that means I have a responsibility to give you my point of view, to give you my opinion, but then I need to step back and let you make the decisions. And as I do, as I submit to you, I'm really doing it as unto the Lord. And so there's this wonderful place of safety. We're living in the proper government. I think life works a whole lot better. I think, you know, for, especially for those strong ladies with very strong opinions and ideas, it's helpful to guys like me when you preface what you're about to say with words like, it's only my opinion or simply a suggestion. Um, Otherwise, you know, if it comes on real strong, then we become the vice president Mm -hmm. and the woman takes the role of the president, I think that it's very, it was very beneficial to me when you, when you understood that what you were giving me was an opinion, not telling me what to do. And it was very helpful to me mm-hmm. to recognize you weren't telling me what to do, but you were offering an idea or, or a recommendation or suggestion. And you gave me answers. And I think every smart person will listen to somebody else's point of view. And I think that that's what Solomon said many times in Proverbs that the counsel of others helps us make the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. Marriage is such a gift, you know, not having to do this alone. And that's one of the things that you and I have kind of made as a principle. Um, while, while yes, you're the president and I'm the vice president there, there have been very few times where you've used that role to get your own way or to do it your way. In fact, there's kind of been this mutual submission that if we aren't in agreement, that we kind of set down our opinions and go back to God to find out what he says. And I feel like that's been really good and helpful to to just keep us always ultimately submitted to the Lord. I think in our, in our story anyway, that when we disagreed on something, we just chose not to do it. And I think a, a lot of couples would be wise to step back if they disagree on something or even disagree on the timing or how it should be done, just to step back from that decision until they hear from the Lord on it. Yeah, I I really, really agree. Well, we had some questions um, from one of my listeners who was just wondering, what does it look like in our marriage, our spiritual walk, What does it look like balancing life and ministry? Um, I do know one of my expectations when I came into marriage, even though I had not experienced it in my own home, was that we would have devotions together, that we would do our spiritual walk together every single day. And I would push you and push you and demand it and demand it. And and God just didn't allow you to give in to me. And can I tell you, I'm really glad because I I don't know that I would have had my personal relationship with the Lord had we had that corporate thing. But what what would you say when you talk about our relationship together spiritually? How do we encourage one another in that? Well, one of the hardest things for us is uh, I'm an early morning person. And so my devotions, my time with the Lord needs to be early in the morning. And so we started off with this well, if John would just do his devotions later in the day, then it would help me out. And 
my idea was if you just did your devotions three if hours you just early, got out of morning, bed, yeah. <laughs> put the yeah <laughs> toothbrush back. <laughs> And I think, I think that's part of the differences that we had to work through. Uh, my dad was an early riser, did his devotions early in the morning. That's how I just thought it was. And I think that, you know, we have had to work through some of those compromises and we find our times together, but it's not at my time. Mm-hmm. And, and our time together is not at your time. We have our devotions separately. And the Lord has spoken, spoken to us Um the same message at different times. And then as we came together to talk and to pray that we were able to express what the Lord had shown us. Yeah. I I think it was really important for me to, to realize that even in spiritual things, we're not going to be always on the same wavelength. Um, You know, I would come away from a message and think, wasn't that the most powerful thing you've ever heard? And you would say, oh, I had the worst headache. I I don't know that I heard a thing he said. (laughs) And I would find myself making judgments on you rather than releasing you to the work of the Holy Spirit. And, And so I would just encourage those of you listening out there, embrace the differences when it comes to your spiritual walk, because God... God is an individual God, and yes, He's given us marriage as a gift, but but I think it's meant to enhance our personal walk with the Lord, not replace it. So that's helpful to me to share, I think. When it comes to balancing marriage and ministry, you were raised in a pastor's home. Yes. I was raised in a board member's home. Um, I was used to being one of the last people to to leave the church. You were there probably early and stayed late. So when you came into our marriage and then into our family, you had, I think, a, a, a really good idea of what it could look like, even though, even though during the time you were being raised, your dad was pastoring what would, was considered at that time a mega church, and there was a mighty move of God. And so I'm just curious to ask, you you saw dad navigate that busy time. How did that shape what you brought into our marriage and family? Well, it helped because we never discussed church issues or people in the church um, as a family. I don't know if mom and dad even did in the back room. Uh, dad had this ability, even though that there were times you could tell he was praying about something or thinking about something. He was very quiet kind of sit and watch the fireplace or whatever. Um, that helped me. And I made a determination, partly because dad was very busy in the ministry for a lot of years. We in Bozeman, as you mentioned, experienced a great growth and revival. I think we were mothering five churches at one time and dad would counsel for eight hours a day. And then the evening run to one of those churches or one of those Bible studies and, and run them. And I think mom wrote on a calendar one time, there was three months went by and dad hadn't been home one evening. And, you know, I don't think dad did it incorrectly, but I think I made a determination that I never want my wife to look at my calendar and say, where have you been? Those questions. So I made a determination early in our marriage that I would, when I get home, I'm going to be home. And uh, I think I saw my dad do this. It's like, when you come from the office, when, as soon as you step through the house door, it's kind of like taking that umbrella and putting it into the box that we do that with ministry. We, we set that aside uh, and separate 
ministry from home, uh, ministry from family. And I have some friends that uh, marriages have really struggled because they couldn't do that. And it's been very helpful to be able to spend time with our kids, go to their games, even their practices, you know, or even be a, a coach and, you know, part of their teams. Um, and I asked, I asked the kids years ago, you know, do you have any regrets in how we raised you? And both of our older kids, especially said, you were always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were, you were always, but there. I had to make that determination. I had to understand that even though ministry is, is so important and doing whatever God has asked me to do is so important that I made a vow to my wife first that I would love God with all my heart. And as I love God with all my heart, there's going to be enough love poured out to my wife to my family and it has to be in that order but i understand that ministry follows family it comes after family yeah you know the bible says what good is it that a man would gain the world and lose his soul and i kind of think that the same is true what good is it for a man to build a ministry and destroy a family well and if your kids can if you're the same at home as you are yes, in the pulpit, yes. Um, I don't want to have my gears in reverend all the time. I want to be real. I want to be genuine. And I think it's really important that when we're home, we're home. Mm-hmm. When we're in the pulpit, we're in the pulpit. If we're leading a Bible study, we're leading a Bible study, but we're the same person yeah. all the time. Yeah. Oh, I would say, I would say that that's the thing I love most about you. I get to sit under your wonderful preaching every Sunday, but I know there's not a disconnect. What you're speaking is what you're living. And I want to say, (laughs) I am blessed to be your wife. I'm blessed that you're my pastor because (laughs) I do, I do, however, sometimes complain that it's hard to live with Jesus in your house all the time. Because there is so much of Christ-likeness in your life. And that that comes back to that personal walk with him. That this isn't a profession. This isn't just a job that you do. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and it shows up in what you do. Um, I, I do want to just kind of piggyback on what you said about being there for the kids. One of the things that you did and uh, that I think was really powerful was as lead pastor, you know, we are in a small church and not everyone's able to do this, but you set your office hours to match the kids' school hours. And so you would drop them off at school and you would pick them up after school and um, and you were there. And maybe you'd have to go and be at a meeting in the evening, but there was bookends. And and I, I think that that was really a powerful piece to balancing marriage and ministry. I cannot, this is pretty remarkable. In 38 years of marriage and ministry, I cannot remember one single time where I felt like you put ministry over us. And I just want you to know that. Um, And I know that there are a lot of ministry couples out there that 
they're walking through this time where it feels like, but how do you do that? I, I know I should, but I don't know how and the demands of the church. And we've got couples out there that are having to both work just to make ends meet. What would you say to, to those couples, to that mom, to that dad? How do we, even in the middle of serving Jesus, still take time to invest in our family in a way that's meaningful? Well, go back to the words of Jesus that with God, all things are possible. And I think it's really important to just stop and say, Lord, how do we do this? This is what we want to do. These are our goals. Uh, We feel like we need more family connection. We need more away from the screen and looking at each other at the dinner table times. Um, We also have to be wise as, as moms and dads not to overwhelm our kids or let our kids be so overwhelmed with so much sports and so many activities that there is no family time. And I think we have to be wise uh, in choosing for our tr- children, but we have to be wise in choosing for ourselves of how many things we're involved in and what is pulling us away from our family and have to make some of those hard choices. This is this is detrimental to my marriage and my marriage is far more important than leading this Bible study. Amen, amen. I think it does come down to you know, not not being rigid about our priorities, but at least having a sense of them because stuff's going to happen. You know, I mean, there will be moments where, you know, at at seven o'clock at night, you're called to the hospital or three o'clock in the morning, you're called to a, a family dispute and to recognize and appreciate God's call on you enough to go, yes, yes, go and do what God has called you to do. So I don't think it's this rigid um, that family's always first, because sometimes God's calling us to to pour out our lives for others. But I love that you've always kept, at least in your heart, that that where I put my my affections, my devotion, my time is going to be is going to look like this. So thank you so so much for that. As we close this time together, um, I just I just want to thank you for being a safe place for my heart. There's a lot of women out there that um, whether whether it's true and accurate or not, don't feel that safe place for their heart. Um, I wanna thank you for believing in me and encouraging me to step out in ministry to do everything God's called me to do. I wanna thank you for loving me not just uh, as I ought to be, but as I am, even in those days where it's not always very pretty. I thank you for dwelling with me in understanding. It's kind of like what First Peter 3, 7 says. You come to, to know me and understand me and love me in my good days and my bad. And that means so much to me. Thank you for being my covering being my spiritual covering, um, knowing that I can bring something to you and ask for your wisdom and know that it's not going to be self-serving or self-centered that you really want me to be and become everything God wants me to be. I want to thank you for um, investing in our relationship that um, like tonight, you've got dinner planned out, that you've gone out of your way to make me feel loved and cherished 
And I want that not just for the women out there, but I want the men to feel cherished as well. Yeah. How can we love you guys better? Well, every man is a whole lot different. And I don't think every man can be loved or cherished the same way. But going to some favorite teaching and books and, and video series that uh, I think most men want respect. Maybe not cherished the way a woman wants to be cherished, like holding a little bird in your hand, you know, sort of thing. But, but cherished in that, uh, I need this guy. Um, for that man to feel like he's, he's, he's wanted and needed, not by the bacon that he brings home uh, or working so hard to support his family, but just by who he is. And even in his differences, I think if a, if a woman can understand the man is different and, and uh, embrace his differences rather than nag him to be like she is, uh, I think that just opens the man up to be free. Um, that could be scary for some ladies. But when a man is free to be who God created him to be, and the wife comes behind as supportive in that role, she doesn't have to nag him. She doesn't have to get after him. He'll want to become that man. He'll want to become the person that God created him to be as, as he and his wife do that together. Amen. Amen. And we've seen that happen in scores of couples that as we release each other from the expectations, as we embrace the differences as gifts, not curses, I, I really believe that God wants to heal some marriages, even through our discussion today. Um, and so I would just encourage you guys listening, men and women, Let's become students of our spouses. Let's, let's learn how to love them the way they need to be loved rather than always loving them the way we want to be loved. Um, I, I would just love it, John, as we close our time together. Would you just pray for those couples out there? Father, I know we don't really understand how you created man in your image and created woman in your image but the two together become a greater picture of who you are. I pray, God, that you'd enable us, especially in this day and age, to work together as a team for each other, not against each other. I ask God for the ability to hear and to understand and to accept and to cherish, just like our vows said we would, but to really put those things to practice. In ourselves, we can't do it, but in you, we can do all things. And we ask for your help. We ask for your anointing on every couple, on every marriage, on every relationship. Thank you for our differences. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you, John Weaver. Love you, Joy Weaver. That's my husband, you guys. That's the precious gift I get to live with every day. You know, when I think about how close I came to throwing it all away, just because John wasn't what I thought he ought to be, what I thought I needed. Well, if you haven't listened to the past two episodes, episode 25 and 26, 
I hope you'll go back and listen to my conversations with Beth McCord. Her book, Becoming Us and the Gospel-Centered Enneagram is a great place to start recognizing and appreciating the different points of view all of us bring to our relationships. Most of all, I'm praying that God gives you fresh eyes to see your spouse, to see all of those people you come in contact with through the lens of His love. And whether they serve Jesus or not, my friend, they're a gift to you. Let's embrace and even celebrate our differences. For when we do, we become better reflections of who God really is. Thanks again for tuning in to the Living Room Podcast. It really is an honor and a privilege to speak into your lives. If you've enjoyed this relationship series and other episodes, I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. It's our prayer that this podcast encourages and equips you to live and love and lead like Jesus. That's what we're all about. Because you guys, that's the only kind of life that's really worth living.